The Boating Life Podcast with Savvy Navi, making marine navigation at sea easy. Welcome back on board with me, Kerry Herford-Jones, for another Savvy Navi podcast as we try and break down more of the barriers to boating and show you how they could possibly be overcome. Among the guests joining us for this podcast series, we'll be talking to a marina operator, one of the team at Sunsail, together with an operator of a sailing school and a specialist marine insurance broker, to name but a few. In a moment, we'll be hearing from Edward Feiss, one of the founders of Navali, an app that many of us are already becoming familiar with. But first, it's time to catch up with our intrepid UK circumnavigators, Adam, Lauren and Freddie. Hello, guys. How's it going out there? We're, uh, we're doing really well, thank you. Yeah, great to be back. Absolutely lovely to hear from you. And I think I can almost hear in the background the sound of bagpipes. Oh. <laughs> yes, you can. We are in Scotland now. Officially in Scotland. Yeah, we've wow. crossed the border. Wow, you made it that far. Goodness me, in what, three months? The beginning of May, didn't we? We left on the 12th of May, and I think it's 88 days yeah. since we've left. Gosh. We were actually talking about so, it yesterday, weren't we? And we've, we have actually stayed in quite a few places longer than we needed to, so I think you could have done it even quicker, but we've enjoyed taking our time. and That's right, we've... We're, we're in, in no, no rush. rush. So, yeah. <laughs> From the feedback we've been getting to these podcasts, there are a few people out there who are quite jealous of the time <laughs> because time is the win, isn't it? It's finding that window of opportunity to hopefully get some sailing in. Has that been working? It has, yeah. Like you say, time is the key, really, which is why we've decided that we would have to quit our jobs and make it sort of our job if our you job yeah. instead of going to work we go out sailing instead which yeah. sounds okay to me yeah it sounds pretty good yeah <laughs> that's not a bad lifestyle well, let's let's just talk about that for a minute because it is about treating the passage planning and the organization for that it is treating it as a structure for your day yeah definitely you do have to be very on the ball with it it's not that you can just drop the lines and go yeah you do have to spend a lot of time even before you actually go out sailing making sure that everything is planned so that your sail is going to one be safe but also two be comfortable because you could go out and the conditions could be horrible and it could put you off and we have had that in the past and I have been put off by trips Mm. in the past so we always like to make sure that we're very happy with the conditions before we go now yeah I mean you've you want to enjoy it as well don't you so pick the weather window that suits you and your experience level is that's something that we found on this trip really and Comparatively, between the Solent, which is where I know you guys started out and did all of your initial sailing, and the East Coast, there's quite a lot of differences, aren't there? I think the main difference that I've noticed is we've hardly seen any boats at all. I think even up until this point now we're in Scotland, um, we've probably seen maybe three boats now, actually, when we've been out on the water, which yeah, compared is, to the yeah. Solent, you'd see that even just coming out of the marina. Yeah, but, I, don't, I don't think we've had to tack or jibe out of the way of anyone we had a small laser come in front of us and that was the first time in many 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 weeks that we've ever had to even think about it yeah yeah but also there's that huge differential in terms of when you want to go to somewhere in the solent it's pretty straightforward accessibility pretty straightforward Mm. east coast as you said earlier requires a lot more thought and preparation with the tidal differentiations doesn't it definitely we've had to go through well up until one point every marina basically had a lock and so that has to be timed with the tide 
correctly in the lock opening times and also one of the other differences I've noticed is that you have to get quite familiar with the VHF because you'll have to request permission to enter most of the harbours mm. which in the Solent you don't have to do that but I wouldn't be put off by that because it's very straightforward they're always very friendly on the VHF but it's just another thing to consider. Yeah there's, there's quite a bit of commercial traffic going out to the wind farms and things like that so you've just got to make sure that you're obviously not getting in the way of, of them. And have you been finding much difference between the attitude of people that sail on the East Coast versus those that sail in the Solent area? Everyone we've come across so far has been really, really friendly. Everyone we've spoken to from the East Coast loves the East Coast. And they yeah. would... They're very proud, very of, proud of being here on the East Coast. Yeah. And, 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 it, and telling us all the places that most people don't even know about, and we didn't know about, no. that are absolutely stunning. It's, yeah. it's Most people just say, oh get the east coast out of the way and you know get it done but to be honest we've had a really, we've really good time yeah spending our time here yeah we have and also a lot of the east coast is quite commercial compared to the solent i guess different sort of commercial level lots of fishing on the east coast whereas you don't get that in the solent but yeah everyone's very very friendly and happy to share their wisdom with us which is always appreciated yeah i think the difference between people in the solent and here going back to your question is that they're just a little bit more laid back and i think that's Again, where the Solent's a lot busier, you know, people are always fighting for space mm. or, or fighting to get to the anchorages or, or something like that. And I, I think that can that can make a difference. Yeah, they've got pressures on them to, to get into places. And there is that sort of frantic activity sometimes that happens in mm. the Hamble Scramble, as we call it. I think mm. you're yeah. absolutely right. I think the East Coast is a, is a much more relaxed style of sailing, I think, and motoring and boating, etc. But yeah, like you, we've been amazed by the lack of domestic traffic but the huge ships that are going past. I mean, there's yeah. some big old beasts yeah. out there on the water, aren't there? There is. And a lot of them, sometimes, um, you'll see them on the AIS and there'll be like five or six of them. But if you um, click and get more info on them, they're actually anchored. So there's a lots of large commercial anchorages that we've noticed on the way. Yes, yeah. That's uh, that's a good little trick, actually, With if you have AIS, mm. is uh, to click on them and you see that they're either going 0.1 knots and then... You can relax a little bit. <laughs> Instead of the 18 to 30 knots we've yeah. also seen <laughs> charging towards you. You mentioned right at the beginning of our conversation today about the weather. Clearly, you you are, like us, uh, very much... Oh, hello, Freddie. <laughs> yeah. He's got something to say about the weather, obviously. Yeah, he's our main uh, weather router, <laughs> Sniffing to the wind. Yeah, <laughs> to the wind. That's, that's brilliant. Freddie is doing a grand job there. I think he is the new the new weather app for everybody. It's the Freddie app. There's a huge plethora of weather apps out there. Which ones do you guys use? And and is it a question really sometimes of trying to find the weather you want rather than trying to find the weather that's actually there? I think you've probably hit the nail on the head though. I don't think anyone would say that they just look at one you we do look at all of them and consider them all there's some that we use more than others but they all have their own job i think mainly for the wind we flick between windy and predict wind and as you say pick the one that suits you the most on the day and then there's obviously ones for the tide as well there's we do use the imray one adam uses the imray tide lap but i also use one called willie's weather which i'm not sure if many people have heard about but i think it's got lots of information on there and then obviously we do use savvy navi as well the thing about Savvy Navi, which I like, is that it will plot our course and then it will tell us our exact weather on those course locations rather than the other ones just give you an overview for that area. 
the savvy navvy one will say at this point in your journey you will expect to see you know 20 knots of wind and this is what the tide's going to be whereas the others you kind of have to do that extra bit of work whereas savvy navvy just does it for you makes it a lot easier. makes it a lot yeah. more streamlined yeah but yeah there, there, there are quite a lot of apps out there and and i think some some are good for different things so for windy I like to use it because it has quite a, a forward range. So I flick through quite quickly and just see sort of more to do with the low pressures or high pressure systems coming through. And I have a look at what's coming across the Atlantic and then predict wind. I'd probably look at maybe just the week. And then again, when we're finalising our passage plan, then I'll, I'll probably put it all, all of those things in, in Savvy Navi. And then also just another thing that we haven't had to do before the East Coast was actually look at fog. We hadn't really been out in much fog before, but on our trip across the East Coast, it seemed that every other day we were battling with some sort of fog, especially when we got a bit higher towards towards the Scot Scottish border. Definitely. Yeah. Speaking to a few local fishermen, they said they do get quite a lot of fog up here in the sort of later summer months because... I think it's the hot air from the from the land comes down and meets the cold North Sea and that creates creates the fog and we've been caught out a few times actually we have in uh, quite thick fog and it's it is <laughs> it's a bit daunting but it's yeah. an experience it's a challenge we wouldn't have chosen to go out in a lot of the conditions but they just came out of nowhere basically so you just have to deal with it when you're out there and yeah. as long as you're safe we had a fog horn we had our AIS on and we knew, you know, we were glued to the charts and everything was absolutely fine. Yeah. It wasn't too bad. It's about safety and you know and I know big ships can't get into sort of seven, six, seven metres. We're going to go in and we're going to find the contour lines that suit us, small ships and small boats and keep out of the way, aren't we? Yeah. yeah we, we actually just, exactly as, as you probably do, and we just follow the 10 metre or 15 metre contour line and, and you should hopefully be safer. But then you've got to watch out for the lobster pots, which yeah. also come out of absolutely nowhere. They don't have AIS. <laughs> Although that is a good good business idea there, some sort of uh, lobster tracking. Mm. <laughs> We've all been surprised by lobster pots. I think somewhere down the line you're going to get one caught on the on one part or another of the keel, hopefully not around the prop, and it's just a fact of life. And fishermen have got to do what they do. But some mark clearer and better than others and we've certainly experienced a few on mm. our way around the coast where we're starting to see a few more of these upright flags on posts which are, are yeah lot, they're always clearer. helpful aren't they yeah i i think they're they're actually really really helpful not so helpful if they put a black flag on the top <laughs> but a fluorescent flag yeah. definitely makes them a lot visible from a lot further away because it's in their interest as well i mean they must they must hate losing lobster pots just as much as we hate getting them caught on the boat. So, And we've noticed the white ones are really hard to spot as well. If you have any level of swell or even any lumpiness in the water, the white ones just get hidden. Just the white ball, yeah. Whereas if they're fluorescent, they're obviously a lot easier to see. Mm. I mean, the last thing you want is, is really two greener fluorescent flag flying. Otherwise, you and I will be thinking, oh, it's a damn boy. Somebody's, uh, somebody's in trouble and deployed. deployed yeah, that's boy. true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the weather app we talked about, other passage planning apps we've talked about before, but there's also a few other apps out there that could potentially help find anchorages and find marinas and bookings. And there's a, a whole number of social media platforms for that as well. And I know one we've got that we've come across is Navali. And in fact, on this podcast later on, guys, we're going to be talking to the chap who actually founded Navali, so we can ask him a few questions about the app. So an interesting one, that one, isn't it? 
I, I really like that because it's anyone uh, can write their own feedback on the anchorage, whether it's good holding. And uh, one of the features I like about them is they tell you they have like a protection score. So I think that's based on the current wind conditions. So it will either say this is not a good anchorage for this particular time, but it also says this anchorage is, is good in, say, northeast to southwest winds or mm. whatever it may be when you're planning that can be really helpful and it's laid out really nicely that the app it's mm -hmm. just really nice on the eye it's very easy to quickly get a glance and say okay i can visualize where the wind's coming from mm. i think it's quite the way they do that is really nice yeah yeah i like the element there about it's friendly for getting ashore on a dinghy and particularly when you've got a dog in the yeah. dinghy with you definitely yeah yeah all of those things are really helpful it is yeah because one of the anchorages we were hoping to go to, which unfortunately we didn't manage to go to because of the wind, we were reading in there and it said that it has quite a strong tide going through the anchorage up to two and a half knots. So if we had have gone in, that would have been something that bear in mind when we were taking Freddie to shore, is to time it around the slack waters. So mm. that's really handy. Just remind us, Lauren, I know you've been working the social media channels really hard. Just talk us again through the uh, the handles you're using uh, so people can find you on uh, Instagram and the others. Yeah, so mainly it's just on um, Instagram. It's just at Lauren underscore the sailor's path. And I'm just sharing just day-to-day -day stuff on there, really. Lots of photos on the grid, but mainly stories. I take a lot of time to do the stories and just share what our journey's like, you know, what it's like coming into harbour. Not so much what we do when we're on land, but just the day-to-day -day living on a boat and the things that we have to go through, really. And it's just a real-life view into what, what we're doing at the moment on this trip. Mm. And we, we try and show if we've learned any little tricks and tips about things yeah. or any recommendations from local people but also we ask sometimes yeah. we ask people like oh do people do this when they go sailing or you know what about anchorages this? or marinas or yeah. people have been really helpful and we've had loads of good conversations and we've actually been to places that we wouldn't have gone to if we hadn't have spoken to people so that's really nice that you know we're all it's just a big community yeah and also on the instagram there's also a link to our blog where we're writing a bit more about the places that we've been obviously on the blog you can spend a little bit more time in detail writing about them so if you do want to find out more you can click the link on my instagram mm. profile it's a little bit behind where we are because we're just you know enjoying ourselves <laughs> so we, we've uh, been a bit slack on the on the blog front but we're trying to catch it up as as quick as we can yeah so. Well done. Well, keep working it. So listen, last time we met, uh, spoke, you were uh, sort of working your way around to Ramsgate. Ramsgate, nice port? If, yeah, it was served a purpose. It has the biggest weather spoons in Europe. When but... you say Ramsgate to me, I am just... We just had a very tricky berth and a very tricky exit out of the marina. So I don't know about you, but sometimes those memories just stick in your mind so when you say ramsgate to me i think oh gosh it's tight in there and the dredging was going on and all that sort of stuff so mm. but, but yeah. an interesting town we, we like the town and then from ramsgate of course it was across the thames how did your thames crossing go it went okay but we did maybe mess not mess up our passage plan but it took a lot longer uh, than we'd hoped for because there's many different routes through the thames estuary and there's lots of sandbanks and things like that because we'd never been there before, we decided to just take the outside route, which comes close to a TSS zone, but it just goes around all of the banks. And we tried to choose it on a sort of a low wind day, so it was going to be a motoring day. But unfortunately, the wind 
swang round to the north and was a little bit stronger than there was forecast. So we were sort of motoring into the swell, which slowed us down quite a lot. And it also gave us quite an uncomfortable motion. Mm. I know that, that unfortunately got a little bit of... Impact. Yeah, I had to come downstairs and just lay in the centre of the boat to just try and rebalance myself a bit. But And I felt really bad because it meant Adam was out there on his own, but it just got hold of me. It was too late by then. I'd already felt really seasick. Mm. But the majority of it was absolutely fine. And I think the reason we went on the outside passage was probably because we were feeling nervous. I think if we did it again, we would feel more confident and go across Fisherman's Gap, which I know was recommended to us from lots of people, including yeah. yourself. And I think we probably would do that now. Yeah, definitely. Definitely so would. But at I, the time, we just did what we felt comfortable with, and that yeah. was the that was the outside route. And that's what that's what you got to do. Yeah. yeah, there's no right or wrong with these things. It's what you feel comfortable with. And um, you, I don't know about you. Were you impressed with the wind farms? Yeah. Yeah. I was actually um, surprised at how big and spacious they were. From looking at the chart, I thought, oh gosh, it's going to be really tight going between them. But actually, at one point there was us and then two commercial vessels either side and then a wind farm either side and mm. there was plenty of room yeah but they're very very impressive and they're much bigger out to sea than they are inland i think so mm. we got to the river orwell at about well about sunset really so by the time we came up to try and find a mooring boy it was pitch black well i think we grabbed the mooring boy at close to midnight yeah in so. the pitch black wow. we, uh, <sighs> we had our <laughs> A uh, searchlight out, and Lauren was on the bow trying to find uh, a boy for us to come into. So that was quite an experience. Not a fun experience, I might add, but it was an experience. No. And I think, you know, we've, we've learned from builder. it. <laughs> it was. Yeah, <laughs> it was. And it was all fine. So it just shows you that if you just push yourself, you're going to be uncomfortable, but the likely chances are you will be fine. As long as you're safe, you will be exactly. fine. Yeah. And then you woke up in the morning to the River Orwell. And the glorious Orwell. Everything you read. Everything you experience, it's so difficult to describe how beautiful that area is. We just woke up in the morning and what I can remember is just we had really bright blue skies with not a cloud at all. And then we had the big contrast of these big green trees that were in full blossom and the beautiful bird song. And I can just remember thinking, this is absolutely amazing. This is one of those moments that we've been looking forward to yeah it was it was one of the places we wanted to stop for a little while yeah and we were looking forward to getting there and a lot of people say that it's so nice that you might not leave and I can actually see what they mean yeah I actually really didn't want to leave but we did stay there for 10 days and we thought oh we better press on but we could have stayed there for yeah, much longer it's a, it's a really nice place and yeah. would recommend it to anyone heading that way definitely well, next time we hook up, we'll hear more about uh, how you got on with your passage from the Orwell then on up through Lowestoft, etc., up to the wilds of Scotland where you are now. Guys, always a pleasure to hook up with you. Thank you so much for your time today. And lovely to hear that Freddie is uh, still enjoying himself. He has been lovely to speak to you. Yeah, thanks for having thanks us again. Thanks for having us again. <laughs> thanks, guys. Speak soon. Bye. 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 Getting stressed out planning your next sailing trip. Savvy Navi acts like your silent first mate, cross-checking your calculations and providing all the information you need to get out on the water safely. Get integrated charts, weather forecasts, tidal heights, tidal streams, distance calculations and more in one place. 
Whether you're looking to plan an entire trip or just want to check the charts, tide and weather, it's as easy as one, two, three. Sail safe, sail easy. Sail with Savvy Navi. Download the app now on the Apple app and Google Play stores to start your free trial. My next guest is Edward Feiss, one of the founders of a superb app called Navali. He tells me it's basically like a trip advisor for the sea. In his seven years with the business, Edward looks after not only the marketing side, but also the development of new features. I started our chat by asking him to tell us how Navali actually came to life. With Benjamin, we were roommates in college and we, we became very good friends. And I started staying with his family. And then summer of 2013, I had a week off. I didn't have anywhere to go. He had a week off, but he had just quit his job, actually. And, and he said, well, why don't you come and we'll go sailing for a week. And we were just the two of us on, uh, on the boat, just sailing along the, the French Riviera. And we had, I would say, out of seven days, we had four nights at the anchor that were horrendous. I remember one particular night we're in Saint-Jean-Cap-Ferrat where the wind picked up in the middle of the night, wind and swell from the east picked up. We thought the anchorage was protected, but it wasn't protected enough. And we were with eight other boats in the, in the, at the anchor there. And uh, just at 3 a.m. I woke up and I had to wake up all the boats with a blow horn in the bay because one of the boats was was dragging uh, its anchor and was about to, to crash into another boat. Oh my and so goodness. I woke up everyone. I've never been scared at anchor, but that was a moment where I realized, okay, there are better or worse anchorages. Anchors are more adapted than others, depending on the weather, depending on the seabed. That's not something that I hadn't really understood because I, I wasn't the one too much uh, choosing the anchorages. But we realized with Ben, okay, there there is a need for people to share their experience because one, what we wanted, you know, 2013 was still early in, in the app world and in uh, usage of iPhone, Android, Android was was still. Um, was still small at that at the time, and and we're like, oh, we should share our experience. We should tell that this anchorage is like good, but to be super full when the wind picks up, or and and we didn't find any tool, at least anything in Europe, where you could share your experience. All you had were forms where you have a lot of people connected, but you mostly have regulars that are on the forum and once you post something within like a week it's uh, down on the third page and nobody's going to go back to it and and the information on forums is not geolocated so if i add something on an anchorage people need to search exactly the name of that anchorage to find the information which is i think a gigantic issue because everything we search for in uh, on the while selling is always based on the around the map around yeah. where we are around where we want to go yeah yeah very true flexibility clearly therefore was necessary and wanted and something of a usp to make it stand out from the crowd yes the, the, there was a people on the boat don't have their computers most of the time they, they mostly have their phone and so they needed like a mobile experience it was also a time where there weren't as many communities and so and we know that the sailing community is, is, is really a family at heart it's people who share their knowledge they share on, on, on the docks so you know they talk with their neighbors say oh i went there you should try it and it's it's something that's always been uh, uh, it's always been a community it's always been a family and uh, but there i think that there was no tool to to really gather the people also to gather people across different countries form is always in one language you know it's going to be in english it's going to be in italian it's going to be in french but how do you get the local knowledge from any time across to a british person and and i think that's something that was missing and that's something that we managed to do right away with with navities thanks to translations automatic translations of comments today our user base is very very diverse very international it's all very well having these great ideas, you and your partner coming up with them. But then there's the huge challenge of turning that idea into reality. Almost, I would have thought, 
insurmountable things would have happened difficulties would have come up to you what was the real problems of getting this app live at the beginning i'll divide that into two parts the the first one when we started navity was uh, a pure cruising guide so a social cruising guide where anyone could share and the, the difficulty with this is you need to start with something because if you offer an app with, that has nothing nobody will use it at least that's what we thought Okay, uh, so we started, we launched Navity in, uh, in the summer of 2014, and we had 30 anchorages listed on the map in France. So, you know, close to nothing. But within, within the end of the summer, within the end of August, we had 3,000 users who had created an account, and they, they had added uh, 1,000 anchorages on the map. Naturally, wow. people just came and just added their comments. We didn't have a, a marketing budget. We spent 200 euros, something like this. That was the, <laughs> that was the, the, the smallest marketing budget we've ever had. Uh, but but just through Facebook groups, through communities, forums, talking a little bit about Navity, asking people what they think, what they thought of the idea, people just came and said, "Yes, you know what? I like the concept. I like the fact that I can say that this is like this. This is the name of the anchorage. This is my comments. This is my experience." And people just enjoy sharing their experience. It proved that. There was attraction, and there were people that were interested in it. So that that so, it could have been a lot harder. But I think that the community was just ripe for this type of tool. And the second part of the story is linked to another tool that we have in Navity, which is uh, the Marina Booking uh, service. So Navity is. Uh, we're getting closer to being also a booking of the sea where you can easily book a berth in a marina. Like we work with 700 marinas in Europe, but we had to start somewhere. And in the same way, at the end of 2014, when we saw that the Anchorage part was working, we started thinking about marinas and, and we started talking to, to marinas. And that is a much harder topic to tackle. Very, very I was hard. Say, that's, that's, that's where I'd imagine the resistance was from marinas allowing your product to be integrated into what is already a booking system. That's a pretty tough gig to follow. That is a pretty hard one. The, I think that we, we spoke with 20 or 30 marinas in 2014, and I would say that 95% of them told us, don't do it. Uh, it's, it's, you, people won't use it, and nobody's interested in it, and it's not going to work. But, you know, we, I mean, as an entrepreneur, you have to be a little persistent and a little stubborn if you want to develop your own product. So we did try, and we did develop it, and it's been growing a lot in the past, in the past 18 months. So that's very good, but it, there's still... Uh, a lot of I, mean, I wouldn't say resistance like active resistance from the market I, I would say it's more a matter of habits people are just not used to booking a marina like they book a hotel which I can understand there's a especially if you're sending you want a lot of flexibility but uh, but in these post-covid times what's become apparent particularly in the south coast of England is that all those traditional things you used to do go out for a sale just pop in somewhere for lunch pop in somewhere for the evening that's all been swept away and booking is now the norm, isn't it? It is becoming more and more the norm because also the, the, the issue that we have and we've had this issue, is it's even more true during the summer, during the, the tough weeks of the summer, is marinas want to secure revenues, which, you know, which is their goal is to have revenues. And users want the flexibility of saying, okay, I want to cancel at the last minute if I change my mind. And obviously you have to, we have to work on, on both of these things, but, but we are sailors first. We try to think of, okay, as a sailor, what would I like to do? And, and so we have to negotiate both with marinas and with sailors to, to make them understand that there is a there is a limit or there is how would you say a compromise that need to be make made on on both sides you know 
So partnerships are really important to Navali between you and the marinas, you and the users, the social group that you have going on. I loved your reference to TripAdvisor. So there's a community, as you've already said, Edward, being created out there. How important is it to Navali to have partnerships with other people like Savvy Navi? I would say partnerships in general are always interesting because they allow us to reach a, a new community and to grow. And, and so I would say that is the, the standard answer on, on partnerships. But there is something that is, I think, very important to us is to have our data be useful also outside of Navali. We have more and more data at the moment. I think we'll finish the season with around... 80 or 90,000 reviews on anchorages and marinas and about 70 or 80,000 photos of marinas and, and anchorages by by users, by wow. the community. And if you talk with users, they're like, it's amazing. Like I'm sailing in Greece and wherever I go, there is someone that has been there one or two days ago. And it's amazing because you really have the review of someone that was just there and, and that's reassuring. But we want our data to be useful to others. And so that's one of the reasons uh, why we do partnerships with companies like Savvy Navi is because we know that then the data that we produce helps other users sell safer or sell smarter in a way and it helps them and it goes outside of Navi. So that I think that's important for us. Then the partnership with Savvy Navi is even stronger, I want to say, because we have the same objective of getting more people on the water and making sailing something that is easier than what it was 10 years or 15 years ago. Our thinking process is that the new generation of sailors need to be wowed a little bit with tools and the current tools are too outdated. Like a 30 year old does not want to open a book that is 200 pages and read like five pages or scroll through the pages to understand if an anchorage is protected. That's not what we do in real life. That was something that we want to do in real life. That's not the tools that we use in real life. And so if you keep tools like that, and if these tools don't evolve, there will not be a new generation of sailors. People will try sailing once. They will think it's too complicated or it's not for them, or it will feel too, too elite, or you need to be a professional to be able to sail. And these people just will not go sailing. They will go to the beach. They will go skiing. We won't sell boats. Marinas will get emptier. People won't buy new boats. You'll still have boat renters with a skipper. But if you want the, 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 the market to keep on growing, if you want to support the thousands of people that get their boating license every year, you need new tools that are adapted to the new generation, that are adapted to what we do in 2021. I'm so impressed with the fact you've gone from, what, 1,000 odd in 2014 to 90,000 now and 70,000 photographs. I think that's an incredible achievement. Where do you go next? What does the next 10 years look like for Navali and, and what's your hopes and aspirations? That's, that's, that's a tough question. I think that right now Navali has been focusing a lot on Europe. There's a lot that has been done on, on Europe. So I think that geographically in the next 10 years, at least probably earlier than that, but we'll have to cross the, the, the Atlantic Ocean and try to th see what we can do in the US. There is a, there's a lot of work to be done in the US as well. We're already present in the Caribbean because our users are everywhere and our users cross the, the Atlantic without us. And being a, a community app, we have, we have users that add spots everywhere in the world, even in the Pacific, in, the, in Australia or uh, in Asia, you have, you have users that have added spots. But on top of that, I think that in terms of features, there are also very interesting things. Last year, we we put a lot of focus on the social 
people aspect of Navity. So now you see other users on the map, uh, you can chat with other users, and it's a feature that's being used uh, extensively by the community to be able to gauge how many users are in an Anchorage. You know, you, sometimes you see Anchorages, you see 15, 20 Navity users, and you're like, okay, this thing is, is packed. But it's, it also means that it's a good spot to go to because if, if so many users are there and not leaving, that means that it's probably well protected. Uh, so that's reassuring. And there is also an, the aspect of the messaging is, is very useful when you want to ask a user, okay, are there spots left in the Anchorage? Can I go there? How is the swell? We saw that a lot with uh, Benjamin this summer when we went sailing in, uh, in Corsica where we're searching for uh, spots that were well protected from the swell and asking users, do you think we should go there? And, and people were like, no, it was good like a few hours ago, but it's getting worse, so you, you should not come here. But another feature that we launched last year is the SOS feature. So we have now uh, an SOS feature that allows you to send a, a, a May day to all the boats in the area close to you. We don't have that many people who have used it, but the people who've used it have received the help from other Navity users that were in the area. It might be the engine that's broken. It might be somebody who's hurt and doesn't know what to do about, about the wound. It might be people that don't manage to start the engine. And you always have a user that's close by that has a solution, that has the right phone number to call, that has the, the right mechanic that's close by that can give a hand. Going back to the family part, the sailing community, there's always people that are ready. And so I think that's that's also a message of hope in in this in this tool and, and in the development of the social features. I think that's absolutely brilliant. Before we conclude today's podcast, we need to talk money. What's the situation from that point of view in terms of the, the monetization of this? Because you're not doing this for free. This is a business isn't it it is it is a business we have we have different we have different money streams for for navity there is a business model around bookings where we work with marinas so the goal is for users to pay the same thing as if they went straight to the marina we don't want voters to pay more but it's a service that we give to the marina so marinas pay to have access to to bookings with navity then we have our second main business model is a navity premium where we have a premium features inside the app and we allow users to have access to the weather an offline mode filters they also have access to itineraries where we partner with Savvy Navi to calculate itineraries with, thanks to the Savvy Navi algorithm. And, uh, and those are our two main uh, business, business models. The product is free. You can uh, share your information, share your experience with the community for free. You can speak with the other users for free. You can book in marinas for free. And then if you want an, an extra experience and you want a few more features, you can use Navity Premium. But, but I think that we will always keep the heart of Navity free because also what gives a lot of value to Navity is the fact that users share their experience on, uh, on Navity. Edward, fantastic to hear from you. The latest updates, the latest thoughts and where it's going. And also to hear about the success that clearly you're enjoying. And um, go on, hit me with a number. Where do you hope to be in terms of how many users do you hope to have on board in the next couple of years? We are about to cross half a million users this year. So that is already a pretty big number and we're, we were, that was our goal for this year. So we're very happy to reach that. And I think that we'll be counting in millions in, in a few years. I hope you've enjoyed hearing from today's guests as much as I have. And you'll join me for more soon. If you have any questions, of course, don't hesitate to go to the Savvy Navi website and ask away. And don't forget, a year's subscription to Savvy Navi will give you up-to-date global charts, real-time weather, tide data, anchorages, and complete weather routing, all in one handy app. The Boating Life Podcast with Savvy Navi, making marine navigation at sea easy.